Hello, welcome back to IVFU. Today, I can't wait for you to meet the hilarious Tara Clancy. She's a storyteller, she's an author, and she's a host of the famous Moth Radio Hour, which is a series of live storytelling events across the U.S. and the world. Tara is also a mother of two, with one on the way, and a bucket of surprises at every turn. We're going to kick it all off at a live show of the Moth in Portland, Oregon, where you'll hear Tara performing her story called Lesbian Baby Making 101. She's giving herself a very unusual pep talk before trying to get pregnant. Let's just say there's no soft music or scented candles in this meditation. Like I'm walking around the apartment and I'm going, let's go, baby. Let's go. Pregnancy in the clutch, right? And I actually go over to the mirror and I look, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I start like puffing out my shirt. Uh, And obviously I'm imagining myself pregnant, but what I'm really doing is I'm imagining somebody else seeing me me, <laughs> pregnant, right? And I'm imagining what they're going to think and what they're looking at, you know, what they're going to look at me and think. And so what I'm doing, and I'm totally unaware of it in the moment, is I'm going, you talking to me? You talking to the pregnant lady? You talking to me? It's like, other women, they go home, they knit booties. I'm De Niro and Taxi Driver. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Tara Clancy. It's so nice to see you. <laughs> you too, honey. You too. You too, honey. Um, nice to see you. Always nice to hear you as well. Your voice awesome. is a huge part of your persona, as you have talked about many times. And what you described there was that you were the member of your partnership that was physically, medically. You yeah. were 32. It was just not likely that your wife at the time, who was 42, was going to be able to carry the baby. Right. My second son. Right. And the doctor gave you a night to go home and, and really contemplate if you could pull this off. And you describe it as like psyching yourself up for a varsity, like a high school, what varsity basketball game? Is that what softball it? or basketball, either softball, whatever lesbian right. equivalent. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, field hockey would work. The right. lesbians will know what I'm talking about. Right. Like that was the only point of reference I had to hype myself up was this thing was like the thing that I would do you know, right. before like the varsity championship night. You were right. like, let's go. Like it was like the most like <laughs> aggressive, right. right? Yeah, like whatever. And you had like a pep rally in your apartment in front right. of the mirror. Yeah. Except I'm doing it for pregnancy, you know, right. like that. <laughs> like I right. like was ready to walk in there and be like, let's do it, motherfucker. You know, like <laughs> make me pregnant. Exactly. And um, so we met uh doing the moth in Ithaca, New yes. York. It was May 4th. 2018. I'm not sure about the fourth part. I don't think it was the fifth because that's Cinco de Mayo and we might not remember it if it had been Cinco de Mayo. So (laughs) the fact that we remember it, I think it's May 4th. Um, So a little intro. I'm going to say what I think and you're going to correct me or elaborate. So you have two kids. You have one on the way. Right. Yes. Yeah, I can um, keep track of them, I think. That's good. right. Yes. Okay. You're gay. Yeah. You have been married twice. I'm married a second time. Married yes. A second time. You are a writer, a bartender, a live storyteller. I don't know if you're still a bartender. This is where your corrections maybe 
come in. I, maybe I, not. I'm not a bartender anymore. No, not a, you put that. I mean, but in my heart, I will. I'm a, I'll always be <laughs> right. a bartender. I believe everyone should spend some time doing food or beverage service in their lifetime. Because well, you know, I'm born and raised in the bar business. That's like a big thing that I, I saw write that about. on your website. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'll hold on to it. For I'm a third generation bartender. My mother, my grandmother. There you go. So it's in your blood. Yeah. Um, and and your published credits are in the New York Times, New York Times Magazine, The Nation, Paris Review Daily. So some pretty fancy stuff there. And a book, The Clancy's of Queens. Yeah, I'm, I published a book. I'm, a, I'm an author. You're an I author? I'm an author. That's right. Um, <laughs> I'm from New York. So your accent is sort of like in my memory of my life, but I, I've never had that accent. But it's very <laughs> and, welcoming and familiar to me. So oh, I appreciate good. I will. That. I won't get rid of it. You know, good. I won't get rid of it. People try to get rid of it. And uh, and I decided to not get rid of mine. And you and can't. I just you can't. You know, no. you, I like it's just like I why, you know, but right. the world would be boring if everybody got rid of their accents. But I think you got me down. Yeah. Published a lot of shit. And uh, and I write and I I'm a host of the moth. Um, I've told a lot of stories of the moth and I host the main stage shows. Yes. Um, so that's how I met you because you did a moth yes, main stage show. I did. I did a moth main stage. It was intense. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> so I wanted to start with that clip because this is called IVFU. So it's about all the different ways of getting pregnant, trying to get pregnant, sometimes not getting pregnant mm -hmm. um, and all the emotions that go along with that. Hence the FU part. Yeah. Um, and so what I love about that clip is you're clearly showing us who you are, what you look like, how you present yourself, how people yeah. interpret you when they see yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you were going to be pregnant shocked the hell out of you, but also kind of sent you into a bit of an identity swirl for a while there, it sounds like. So I was just curious, how do you describe yourself sort of personally and physically? You Are you, yes. are you glamorous? Are you feminine? Are you butch? What's your yeah. angle on everything? No, I'm, de I'm a definitely, a, I like butch. Um, I like butch. Some of the younger queers, they don't like butch anymore. I like butch. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, so you know, I, I'm a I'm a masculine presenting person, and and you know, I wear a lot of suits, and I'm into my suits. I got a cufflink collection. That should really wow. Give me That's yeah. you're old school. I'm old school. You're not I, yeah, old, I got pocket but old squares collection and cufflink <laughs> collection. Right. But then also, like, I'm from Queens, so I also have like you know a Jordan collection. But right. like, either what I don't have a collection of is um, you know dresses. Uh, I don't. Right. <laughs> right. I don't. I Do don't you have any dresses? Do you own a no, dress? No. No. God, no. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Why should you? Right. No, I don't have any dresses. Yeah. I, does they don't look good on me? But and yeah, right, as this masculine presenting person, the idea, you know, of of being pregnant was I mean, everyone was shocked that I was even really like willing to do it, you know, right, like that. Right. I, but, yeah. And I know you use the word butch, but you present as a woman. I mean, I don't look at you and think that you're a man. Maybe mm -hmm. some people do. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But but no. are you a she her? Do you, do you feel? Yeah, I do. You know, I yes. do. Which, you know, but at the same time, that you know? didn't define it. Obviously. That didn't. No, no. Were you more masculine as a kid? Were you did you ever think of having kids when you were a kid? You know, I did. I did think of having kids. I didn't think about the fact that I, I might be expected to carry those kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, but so knowing that you were gay and knowing that like m medically you wouldn't be able to have a kid in a heteronormative right. yeah. relationship. How did that desire to have a kid? How did you imagine that? 
I don't think I thought it that far through. I really didn't. And then I kind of put it to bed and was like a wacko fucking, you ah. know, crazy bartending rock and roll nut job. You know, I never thought that I would be pregnant. Um, but yeah, you know, when when my former wife and I, you know, decided to have kids, she was wanted to be pregnant more than anything, you know, yeah. so she we went right into that fertility clinic and it's different. It's different for, for queers because yeah. you're there giggling and like making out in the waiting room and all happy and shit. Right. Right. It's like a date. Finally. Right. It's like a date. There's nothing <laughs> there's nothing like, quote unquote, wrong with right. you, you right. know, like you. you. In fact, you're happy because you probably like tapped into your 401k or whatever. Get the money. You're like <laughs> We did it. We like got the money. We got a credit card, you know, like whatever it is. You made the money happen. And you're there giggling and making out. And I would remember all these poor straight people, you know, oh. who. It was we would always be like, God, we should, maybe we shouldn't be so happy while we're in here. We feel bad. And the poor guys they were like, you know, the guys would be looking down and everyone knew that he was about to go in that little room and jack off. And everyone knew. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you remember this from fertility. Or they had backed off and it didn't work. And then everyone knew that, which is and every yeah. side of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. For the straight couples, you're there. We're like at the end of our rope. Like this is the beginning of the right. worst period of our entire lives. And for you guys, it's like a honeymoon. Like we're going to make a baby at yes. the fertility clinic. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, like about really that. for a million reasons. And we have the legal like right, you know, yeah. to, I mean, with my first son, my son, my oldest son is going to be 11 this year. You know, when we were in the process of making him, we couldn't be legally married in this country. We were really concerned about you know, my ability to be named on his birth certificate. So like those were our problems. Right. right. But we couldn't be there like that. Right. No one could stop us at the door and be like lesbians out, you know, like, right, you know, right, right. We're allowed. They were like, you got your 20 grand. You're in. You right. Know? That's like, true. Such a different, such a different, so different. experience. Yeah. yeah. So and how did you meet Shauna, your first wife? Um, At my family bar. Oh, so you're just and picking she up was ladies. A bartender. From, she, oh, was, she was also a bartender. <laughs> yes. I, when I, you know, when I turned 21, my mom was a bartender there. I grew up there my whole life. And then when I was 21, I started working at the bar and then, and Shauna worked there. And so that's how we met. And we were like the only two lesbians in this pretty rough, you know, blue collar dive bar Yeah, that was owned by my family. And, uh, and so that was, you know, that was enough. <laughs> no, yeah. <you> know. <laughs> That was like, I was enough. Some bonding happened right there. So, yes. yes. I mean, we're not talking about Astoria here. We're talking about broad channel, broad channel, broad channel. Yeah, but I do. You're right. I always say that to people because people think Queens and they think Astoria. And I say, no, no, I'm from the Archie Bunker section. Yes. Yes. And then it makes not just like gay actors living in Astoria. Other group of people there. Yeah, exactly. And then were you surprised when she wanted a baby? When did you guys talk about having a baby? No, we right away. In fact, we, you know, we we were married in 2007. We tried. Was it a domestic partnership or were you? Yes. But, okay. you know, we did the ceremony. We did the whole thing. Thing. So we're yeah. married because we feel that we are married. Yeah. And then start. we did IUIs. So we bought a whole bunch of sperm from California Cryobank. And we mm-hmm. were like, all right, we're going to do the IUIs. Because she was, when we started, she was 37. Okay. I was 27. She's 10 years older than me. And so we didn't think, you know, 37, all right, it might be okay. We went in and they were like, yep, everything looks fine. You can do IUIs. And we had did three or four of them and it didn't work. And mm. then the spunk is so expensive. Yeah. Us, you know? It really yeah. is. And it's two a pop for IUIs. And so we got expensive quick and she was pretty dejected because she was like, yeah. whoa, I didn't think we'd have any trouble. Yeah. So we took a year off. 
Was she oh. learning that her age mattered at that point or had she kind of known that her age? Because I, I didn't know maybe, age yep, mattered exactly. until I knew. No, she yeah. didn't know. Yeah, she didn't. And, and then all of a sudden we were like these crazy people that went around telling everyone, like, what a terrible thing. If you invited us to a party, we were like, how old are you? Are you 36? <laughs> you should try to have a baby right now. They're like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? We're like, listen, listen, it might be over for you. Like, you know, people were like, we're never inviting you anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, but, but you, it was, right? It's like, yeah. it was shocking that first time. Yeah. So many, especially in your 30s. I think people thought 40 for some reason. That was maybe. But, you know, you're right. in your 30s. It's, it's fine. And you go in there and they're like, no, 35, man, that's the cliff. Like, either you're lucky or you're not. We were like, wow. I know. It's crazy. So she did yeah. the three OIUIs, didn't work. She was really dejected, took a break and she had some work stuff going on for a year. Uh, and then, you know, she was like, all right, let's do it again. And she did it again and it didn't work fourth time. And then we were allowed down to our last two vials. And I, I really said to her, I really wanted to try one more time. And uh, she was like, all right. And, and it worked. So my firstborn <sighs> son was IUI. Wow. Yes, yes. I mean, and you know, interestingly, my first wife and I got married before marriage was legal in New York, before marriage was legal federally, for sure. It was only once she was six months pregnant with my firstborn son that we could, which was funny. We were like, this is a shotgun wedding, right? We had to literally go to the courthouse oh. with her with this huge belly because it was finally legal in New York. So it became legal while she was pregnant. With your yes, son. but this was what was crazy. Wow. It became the, the quickest thing that the then Governor Patterson of New York could do, right, was to say New York will start recognizing marriages from other jurisdictions. You couldn't just very quickly say, now you can walk down to the courthouse because that right. has to go through a legal process. But what he could say was, if you are married elsewhere, be that Canada, be that Massachusetts, right, which was the very first, one of the first states, right. or at the time, Connecticut, which was ahead of everybody who knew Connecticut. Yeah. You could get married there and New York would recognize it. So we had to drive with her six months pregnant for two hours to Connecticut. Oh, my gosh. To get married, to come back to New York so that, that my name would be on his birth certificate. Wow. If we were not married, my name would not have been on his birth certificate at birth. We would have had to amend it afterward. Aye, but we, right. So we did a lot of hoops. And I think it's interesting Here's an interesting fact that I, that puts it in perspective. My firstborn son, who will be 11 this summer, was probably one of the first hundred children ever in New York who had two women listed on his birth certificate. Wow. That's how brand new yeah. that was. Yeah. I had to go to the hospital and say, do you have the new form that doesn't say mother, father, that says slash parent one and slash parent two? Right. And they were like, yeah, we just like we just got them in. And I was like, great, because I she's due like tomorrow. So, you know, like yeah. it was, it was like re everything was like right, right at the. Yeah. Wow. A nail biter. <laughs> All a nail biter. To the end. You know, we when we got together and got married and she wanted to kiss, I was like, OK, you know, like. All right. You know, now how do we do this? And we were the first of all of our friends. And it was yeah. mostly because I had, she was 10 years older than me. There wasn't right. a lot of, there wasn't a lot of info 11 years ago and there wasn't a lot of people. So this, my son was, oh, everyone was like, he was the first, he was the first of our group. Wow. I can't tell you how many people came to my house that I never met before. And we spent two or three hours with them, teaching them what was IVF, what was IUI, what wow. like they were starting from nothing. 
Right. You know? When a and woman would, and a woman love each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right it's a little right. more complicated when it's yeah. two birds and there's yeah. no bee. Yeah. But, but what it's an interesting difference, you know? Well, it's right? interesting to me too, because even at that time you had, you know, Melissa Etheridge, you had Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, you had these yeah. lesbian superstars that were having kids, but maybe it just seemed like this unattainable. Yeah. yeah if you have a billion dollars, you buy David Crosby's exactly. sperm and you just yeah. do whatever. Yeah. So I think probably at, at the much more ground level, people couldn't envision how they were going to pull that off. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder when we finally get some real numbers to see the uptick that happens at about 11 or 12 years ago, because mm. You know, like now it's just so much more. Every queer person I know has got a kid, you know, right, or they're right. making kids. They're not, it's not a big deal. No one needs to call me and come over and like buy dinner and sit across from who I've never met. That doesn't wow. happen anymore. <laughs> right. You know, they can get right. that information from anywhere. But I, yeah, we counseled just so many people and, and people were on a bash because they wanted it so bad. Right. You know, they, when she was pregnant with my first son and you, she walked around with that belly People were, I mean, sometimes it was rude. Sometimes it was kind, but people would just ask us. People were like, how did you do that? I got, I keep, you kind of forget that even 11 years ago that I, this was, we were pioneering something. It was yeah. still new. And yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Most of the gay couples that I'm friends with that have kids, the kids are all, yeah, they're like four to right. eight years old. Exactly. Right. Yeah, right. So my son was 11. He, they always say he was like, the, he was like the prototype. And now you can't stop me. I mean, it's just, <laughs> if I meet a woman, I'm like, do you want a baby? It's happening. Um, so Ray, it took us a, a few tries, but essentially it was IUI. Um, yes. With Harry, quite a different story, as we heard a yes. bit in that clip. So, you know, you, you tell it obviously in a very funny and entertaining way, but, but how did that go? What were the emotions behind that? Really? When you first fa you found out that you were going to have to carry that baby, which seems to right. sort of go against your entire identity of, of your yes. Um, And then when you found out you couldn't carry the baby. I so right. what, yeah. what was that like? The irony. I mean, in some ways it's not, right? I was like, of course I can't have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> what were you fucking thinking? At least something makes right. sense. And all right. I mean, right. looked at me, of course, there's something wrong. <laughs> you know, I was like, of course. Right. And he's like, you know, you have a fertility problem. Um, I said to him, yeah, I, yeah, I know I have a fertility problem. It's called being a lesbian. <laughs> what am I paying you for? Right. And uh, he did not laugh. Um, oh. And... <laughs> He's like, no, no, you have a, another one. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't the end of the world. Now, people who know more about this stuff, right? It's it, I polycystic ovarian syndrome. PCOS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and there's PCOS is still misunderstood. There's like thin PCOS, like, but you can also have it under different circumstances. But he was oh, just okay. like, your rate of miscarriage is higher. You're, you're, you know, the difficulty in getting pregnant. We're going to have to do IVF instead of, you know, wow. IUI for sure. And we go for the IVF. And I had my retrieval and I produced like 36 eggs, which wow. is not good. Oh, it really? It's good in one regard. Right. Bad that it will maybe kill you. Um, this is one of the side effects for people with polycystic ovarian syndrome is that you will just have like this massive amount of eggs, which really like it can it's really it's the one percent like fatal. Wow. Yeah. So what mm -hmm. happens is it your body thinks it's pregnant with 36 babies and builds up this fluid and the fluid sits on your can actually affect your breathing. 
So oh my goodness. It was like I lo- the next day after retrieval and then those coming days, I looked like I was six months pregnant in 24 hours, but it was all fluid. Oh my goodness. And that fluid sits on your lungs. So it's like an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty bad. Wow. So uh, I nearly died. Then I didn't. Ta-da, I'm still here. Right? We kind of <laughs> reached the end of that story. Um, but I'm glad that's the end of that story. That's okay. Right. <laughs> and so it took about a month or something to recover. They're like, now you can't go forward. Even though you've done your, your retrieval, you can't. They can't like, you know, implant it. And the doctor's like, wait a minute. He's like, what if Shauna carried this egg? And I know that now, but that seems very like, that's a very common thing in the queer right. community for one cup, one person to donate to another person. But at the time, he had never suggested that before. Wow, again, and another anyone, first. Yeah. 11, you know, whatever. No one had mentioned it to him as a, as a thing they wanted. Um, but it, it really would be ideal. And I jumped through the fucking ceiling. I mean, I was like saved by the bell, <laughs> yeah. you know? I was like, I mean, it's almost the best of both worlds because you pass on genetic material. Right. And I was like, here she is, you know, take her right now. Do it. You know, and and Shauna must have been thrilled, too. Yes, she was because she loved being pregnant and and she was happy to do it again. It was just her eggs that were, you know, kind of like on the front. Um, Yeah. And then I couldn't honestly for me. And and, and that's, you know, it's a joke in the story, but it is true. It was a big relief. Yeah. It's so interesting because part of the emotional struggle in IVF is you feel like you're failing as a woman because you feel like this is one of your jobs. You know, you're supposed to be able to carry a child. And so when you find out that you can't or you're struggling, Mm -hmm. you hit these very hard walls of, well, am I broken? Am I defective? Am I? And I know the effect that it's had on other women, particularly, you know, women who, who, like you say, like have so much stock in that ability to be pregnant themselves or right. to be, and not even just to be a mother, but to be pregnant. Right. 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 Um, right. And I didn't, I didn't have any of that. Well, and I think it's a very positive message because really what you're saying is I am Tara Clancy, whether I carry a child, whether I don't carry a child, I'm still the person that I am. And I think that yeah. that's the same message for someone who does want to carry a child. If they can't, or they're running into trouble, I think it's important to hold on to the fact that you are still you, you are still a fully realized you, whether you can carry a baby or not does not affect who you are defined, what you are defined by, you know, it it, it may affect your identity if you've always seen yourself as a pregnant person, I guess, but it doesn't make you broken. It doesn't mean that you're, you you know, you're defective. It just means here's things you can do and here's something that's not really working, you know? So anyway, I just think that's interesting. But but while the act or the being of pregnant doesn't affect, you know, I also do notice that I have a, that I have a biological clock and a drive to have children oh you know? that's interesting and like I I had that drive then and I had that that was what that drive was when I was like I would do this if forced to you know if yeah. forced there's no other but because I really do want this other child and then now if you flash forward to now when I'm 40 and remarried um and uh my wife now hadn't didn't have children we met but wanted them and that was like her only first date question to me but she was oh, like I know wow. you have these two kids and I'm in I'm cool with being a step parent I'm having children in, in my life but I need to know would you have another one because that's where I'm at yeah and I felt this drive. Like I was like, oh, I do. I feel like I want another baby. And then I was like, oh, I'm forgetting that I have the same biological clock. 
Like right. Book as I am, there is this part of my body that's going, you're at the end, quick, quick. Like you're at the end, make another one. Right. Wow. Because, and I, it surprised the shit out of me. Yeah. I didn't yeah. expect that. Should you, you know? assume that those two things are tied together? Right. Like the biological right. clock, the need, the timing is part of the physical need to be yeah. pregnant. But for you, it wasn't. It was wanting to be a mom again. I want a yes. baby. Yeah. And it was, but it was like intense enough that I was like, oh, I think this is a little bit, right? This is a little bit more. This is a little evolutionary, right? This is a little yeah. coming from the part of me that knows I'm at the end of this clock. And like, and so that's why I want to do it. And I want to yeah. do it. Yeah. Oh, know? that's interesting. So, yeah. Like the remnants of a, a previous time yeah. <laughs> of human development. Yeah, exactly. I just have to pause for one second because I need to tell you about this podcast that I'm a little bit obsessed with. You will be obsessed with it too. It's called If These Ovaries Could Talk. You may have heard of it if you've heard episode one of this season of IVFU because I had the hosts on for a fantastic interview. And it's a podcast where two lesbians chat about making babies and non-traditional families and what it's like to live as an LGBTQ family in a world built for the straights. But let me tell you something. I am one of the straights and I feel so in tune with this podcast and it's so relatable because anyone that's ever felt like an outsider and had to fight for normalcy and acceptance will relate to this podcast. It's hosted by my new best friends, Jamie Kelton and Robin Hopkins. They are hysterical and totally down to earth and they go in depth every week with guests about their hopes, fears, setbacks. The whole mission of this is to normalize, elevate, and celebrate non-traditional families, while also confirming that they're just like other parents, like yelling at their kids because they don't have their shoes on and they're 25 minutes late for school. So check out episode one of IVFU this season to learn more and check out If These Ovaries Could Talk. I just can't say enough good things about it and about Robin and Jamie and find out more at ovariestalk.com. We were on my second one, right? That's where, did I? Right. Right, all right. And then the only glitch that we had, which may be on the IVF podcast, we can talk about a little bit because yeah. people people get it, was that they could not figure out how to bill it. They tried to bill us up as if I was her egg donor. Oh. We were by then legally married. Uh, and my fertility clinic, and I will give them credit for this, called them and went to bat. And they were like, these are a married couple. This specimen belongs to them both. One can't donate it to the other. Right. Because this is what makes the difference. Maybe they right. had had two women before or something, but they never had ones that were legally married in the state of wow. New York, which meant that they were like, <laughs> okay, you know, you did one half of an IVF and now she's going to do the other half. Now, in essence, it's the same amount of money. It's not two IVFs. It's right. one IVF that was split between two people. Right. But right. Reciprocal we, IVF. All right. How about this? We were the first co couple ever to get a health insurance company, a major health insurance company to cover it. Wow. You guys are real trailblazers. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. In the end. It the, the health insurance covers it. It's amazing. She gets pregnant and her pregnancy is just like totally fine. 
it worked. Her IVF was, you know, my embryo worked the first time. Right. Um, the birth itself was exciting. Well, uh, that's my next audio clip that oh, I yeah. have queued up here, Tara. Oh, all right. Yes. All right. Let's take a listen. And I get a wheelchair and I wheel it over to her and I put her into the wheelchair and I go flying up the hospital into the maternity ward uh, triage area. It's like the waiting area, right? And I push her in there and I take one look at the receptionist in there. I'm like, I do not have time to sign any paperwork. You just got to point me right now to an OR. And in the time it has taken me to say that one sentence and to turn away from my wife, when I turn back, she is up out of the wheelchair. She's got one hand on each of the armrests. Her legs are spread. Her shirt is up. Her tits are out. Her pants are down. Her ass is out. There's pee. There's blood. She's like, ah! <laughs> I love that. So yeah. So what was what was that birth experience like? Was that heightened for theatrical effect, or was that pretty much? No, it yeah. really wasn't. It and was. You, really I'm assuming you like, were not laughing at the time, or, or I was, was definitely so insane. Not. Oh my god, I was not laughing at the time. No, yeah. So she pretty much almost had this kid in the cab um, oh, on the man. way there. Her water broke at like two in the morning or something. Um, and he was born an hour and 10 minutes later. Oh, my gosh. She, I was asleep at 2 a.m. and I had a second kid at like 3.30 a.m. Well, you're lucky it was at 2 a.m. because if it had been 2 p.m., you would have gotten yeah. stuck on the van. With Traffic. Oh, my yeah. God. We've said that a million times. We were like a million times that, that we would never have made. And because the, the cab driver had to go through the red lights. Wow. It was bonkers. It was bonkers. He was he was so, so, so fast. So that was crazy. And then even more crazy. So my son was born on June 20th, my second son, June 25th, 2013. June 26th, the very next day. So I was still in the in the hospital. Gay marriage was legalized, like like officially federally. Oh my gosh. That is that that's one of the historic court dates towards the journey, but it was one of the biggest ones. And so it was on every TV and the whole maternity ward, like every TV. And then everyone was like looking at us, you know, like Hasidic (laughs) women and like, you know, all these other women were like, congratulations. You know, like they were like, wow. So it was like two celebrations at once. It was two celebrations, but it really meant like, you know, you're coming home to a more safe world. And I mean, you're my second kid, but you're coming home and there's more protections for our right. family for you uh, for you know it was right. like it was, big deal. it was huge yeah yes. right oh wow okay so so next I just want to talk a little bit about divorce sure. <laughs> not all the happy conversations so when did you guys get divorced or, or let me say this how old were your children when you guys were getting divorced um oh that's a good question okay um my sons were like three and six okay. when I got divorced and did did had all the IVF contributed to that at all oh that's an interesting question no I I don't you know I listen I would never discount the fact that when so much of your relationship is fighting your government fighting this society to recognize mm. you fighting to be pregnant, to have babies, to have your marriage recognized. Like so much of it is that it takes a toll. And I would say that to queer people everywhere, you know, like we, that is, that is, that's something that we just have to deal with. And then you can get lost. You're so busy fighting 
that when you have nothing left to fight for mm. anymore, you're like, who, who are we? You know, like what's oh. our relationship was built on making, on fighting. Right. Oh, that's right? interesting. And all of a sudden you get to, you know, this would have been, let's say 2017. Um, and when I divorced and, and, you know, things are hunky dory. I had a book published and, and she was, had climbed the ladder. We had two kids. Our marriage was completely fully legal things, you know, and you're like, Oh, there's nothing. You're not fighting for anything. All the struggles were gone. (laughs) Right. And And you like, you know, so I wouldn't discount that, but I wouldn't say also, I would say, you know, there was other things. Um, Mm -hmm. so it wasn't, it was certainly not that, but I wouldn't, I think that the the toll. It's interesting too, because as you said, you guys met as the only lesbians in a blue collar Queens bar. So you almost met on a battlefield you know, exactly, us right. against the world and us against and both of us yeah. blue collar people who went on to, you know, but we are still we're good friends and we get along. We co-parent really well. And oh, she's friends with my my wife. Um, that's awesome. Thing. And now let's come to more present day. So yes. your second wife, Chloe. That's right. How did you guys meet? Oh my God, it's so much fun. Um, so I, when I got, to, when we separated, my ex and I, I had missed, because I was with her for 13 years, I had completely missed online dating. Like I had, I've heard of it. Yep. Every comedy show I've ever been, you know, all the jokes and all the things, but I had never actually seen Tinder. Like I didn't know what right. it looked like, right? Right. So I was like, I'm going to go on Tinder because it's going to be so terrible because that's what everybody tells me. And that's what all the jokes I've heard in every show are saying that it's the worst thing in the world. And I can't wait. I'm going to get so much material out of it. And and I go set up this Tinder. I didn't even know what it looked like. So I just put one picture and one line because I just wanted to be able to flip through it. Right. In order to look through people's profiles, you have to have a profile of your right. own. You can't just go on and like window shop without <laughs> like putting yourself in the window. So what was I, your sentence? I just wrote writer, dancer, native New Yorker. Ah. Right. I was like, okay, here it is. That's it. And let me just scroll through one picture. Now I have to ask, you said your profile says dancer. Yes. I love to dance. Oh, okay. Huge dancer. That's fantastic. I just want to make sure I heard you right. Yeah, I know. I know people find it surprising, but I'm like really into dancing. Well, you're sort of, you're a petite person. I mean, I could see that you are a dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love ballet and, but also just like all kinds of dancing. Oh, very nice. I dance all the time. (laughs) That's fantastic. My biggest thing. (laughs) So I start flipping through and swiping left and right. And I see this woman and uh, I was like, wow, it's great. She's amazing. And I read her profile. It's obvious that she was a model and uh, with the look of her. And then in, but it says in her profile that she's a civil rights attorney. Wow. And um, an Ivy League educated one, I figure when I get to the bottom of the profile at that. So I'm like, okay, this is obviously bullshit, right? Like this is obviously a plumber from the Bronx um, who's going to show up to kill me. And who's going to show up to kill you? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm like, this is obviously like some serial killer psychopath and I can't wait. I'm going to get such great material out of it, but I'll, you know, I'll make sure I got like some, you know, I'm in the public place and like, you know, um, bring your mace. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, great. So I like, I, we match and I'm like, yep, of course. Uh Aha. You plumber from the Bronx, you know, waiting (laughs) to kill me. And I go out and, you know, in walks a model who is an Ivy League educated (laughs) civil rights attorney. Um, And that is my wife. 
That's amazing. I, I'm like as biggest the world's biggest asshole because that's not <laughs> supposed to happen on Tinder. You're not <laughs> right. supposed to meet a great person. You're supposed to meet a sociopathic, you know, plumber, like plumber from the Bronx who masquerades, you right. know, as with a machete else. in their backpack. Right. right. Yes. And so and I we not, you know, she even Chloe was ready to kill me. She's like, you know, I've been like looking and dating for like a year, and your stupid idiot ass shows up in five minutes. <laughs> And needs me, lucky you. So, um, but that's anyways, amazing. But that was that. Yeah, so that so went I, well. And then who wanted kids first? Oh, definitely her. I okay. wouldn't say I was like, you know, well, you mem- now you know what I wrote in the profile, which was just writer, dancer, native New Yorker. You notice I didn't put in there parent, right? Oh, yeah. I didn't, because I didn't want, know that I wanted to put that much information. I didn't know how much information people put. I didn't know that it mattered because I was like, I'm not looking to like get in a relationship. I'm just right. trying to fool around. I'm just got divorced, you know? And so I, when I, on that first date told her that I had two kids, she was sh- definitely sh- surprised, Yeah, you know, because I was one queer. And so having being queer and having two kids at the age of 36 wow. in New York was rare. Right. You know, she was surprised. She was like, what do you mean you have two kids age three and six? You know, like maybe people had one baby, you right, know, by right, that time, right, you know? Right. And so she was surprised, but we had a really great date. And so she said to me, well, do you want a third child? Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I'm pro, yeah. you know, like I'm just going to have fun. I'm yeah. just going to. And she's got that first time parent energy. So I don't have to, you know, (laughs) right. That's true. Wow. That's really cool. She's so thrilled and and excited and I'm thrilled. And the kids are like crazy. I was going to say, how are, how do Ray and Harry feel about it? Oh my God. They're bonkers. (laughs) They're bonkers. I like, they freaked out because Harry's finally going to get to be a big brother and he didn't think he would ever. And he was so excited. And And how many months is Chloe? She is very new. So she did one IVF that didn't work which, uh, you know, sucked. Um, but one, the, the thing that was fun about this is she had the first one doesn't work. She's really depressed about it, but she was like, all right, let's do it again. I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. And she goes through the whole thing and we got to wait those, you know, that first, those days for the take the pregnancy test. And I was in the middle of a zoom like live and, you know, I couldn't get up. And so she just pokes her head over by like my computer screen and goes, well, I'm not pregnant. And walks away. And I see her go over to the garbage can and throw in a feed test. Now, obviously, you're supposed to wait for the blood test. But like, you know, she didn't. So I go over to the garbage. I'm like, who throws it out? Every woman I've ever known in this process leaves them out. Right. Right. And then like marks them. Right. Right. And with the date. So I go and take it out of the garbage. And I'm like, what is she talking about? It's positive. Oh, no, you're kidding. I'm not kidding. (gasps) She just read it wrong or did it take too yeah. long to develop or something? It took a second and she didn't understand really that like she's, oh, no. you know, taken some from like Beth, you know, at yeah. like other times in life when like you got that strong reading because you were like a month late and you're right. whatever, whatever. Right. right. I was like, honey, this is IVF land. OK, yeah, <laughs> if there is a hint, if there's a hint, we have pre- hope. You know, right. Right. You have hope. I was like, because that just because this is so, so early, but yeah. she didn't quite get it. So she didn't, you know. So I'm like, wait a minute, what? And so I, that's how we found out that she, poor thing. She ran out to the store. She bought a hundred more <laughs> and I showed her how you label the stick so that you could see that it gets a little darker, like every day, but it's so, so fucking slight. Yeah. Right. 
for IVFs. And then lo and behold, she went in, you know, whatever, four days later for her blood work. And they were like, you are very pregnant, lady. Oh, my God. So what was that moment like when you got that sort of official declaration from the doctor? It was it was great. It was great. I mean, I she she started to celebrate by like the fifth pregnancy test. But, you, know, <laughs> you pretty much knew. At that point. Right. Right. She was yes. I think, you know. Yeah, it was wow. just it's, it's been a, it's been such a thrill. This is so exciting. I so know. I want to talk for a bit about Ray and Harry. Yes. And I'm going to play one more clip here. My firstborn son, my firstborn son is named Ray. Ray Clancy. He will punch you in the nuts. (laughs) This second guy, we named him Harry. Harry Clancy, he will sell you a used Honda. I just love that clip so much. <laughs> um, so I do, but I do want to ask about Ray and Harry. What what are they like? Are they artistic? Are they writers? Are they performers? Do they dance? Oh, God, um... tell me. I mean, they are, they're very, they are very different. They have the same donor, but they have, obviously they have different, uh, you know, they have different mothers. Is Ray going to um, punch people in the nuts or was that? He's not. You know, the thing that's <laughs> funny is he is a ray of sunshine. He is, Aww. that's what his teachers call him. That he's like the sweetest, kindest person I've ever met. And I'm, and I'm not even being an asshole. Like he yeah. truly is the like, most empathetic child I've, I've known. And, um, but Harry's a tough one. Oh, that's so funny. Of course. Right? Yeah. Yes, I know. He's mean. And so he's he's <laughs> tough, he's chatty, he's funny. Um and how do you explain it to them? And do they know they're both from a donor? And I mean, do they ask those kinds of questions? Yes, they yeah. do. Yes, yes. Everything. I mean, but and it's you know, there's some fun with that too. I mean, my, my kids had to understand everything about that because like here my I maybe, maybe my son, my firstborn son was your like your son's age too. And I go to a playground and he's playing with some little girl and the little girl says to him, where's, you know, um, something about, where's your, your mom here? Is your dad here? And he's like, well, I only have two moms. She's like, you can't have two moms. Oh. And he's like, well, I do. So you can. And, you know, they're like two, like little, little, little. And he's too little to get it. And she maybe was like four or five. And she comes over to me and she's like, I told him that you need a man and a woman to make a baby. And I was like, well, you know what? You're not half wrong, right? I was like, you know, you, you, you know, I said, but I can't explain all this, you know, to you. Um, I, you know, you need to ask some of your parents about this. But so they had to know very young, right? That where sperm comes from and where eggs come from and the many ways in which they can come together. Mm -hmm. They can tell you they school the shit out of people when they, and they ask. And it was never presented as anything negative. You know, we right. was just like, here's Normalized. the science. Here's how we're, and also just yeah. always saying like anybody, like for us, we would say, you know, it's, it's not just queer families that need to go for fertility. Lots of people need to go over and here's why families are made in a million different ways, you know, and, right. and that they get that. They would say, oh no, well, you're kind of right, but you need sperm and you need an egg to make a baby. Right. And they can like walk you through. Like they, you <laughs> that's know. amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then what's next for Tara Clancy? Yeah, I th- I think that, yeah, the new baby is, is a project um, for now. And then I have a whole other like 
change life change thing going on where I've decided that I want to be a nurse. So, wow. You know, I've been very lucky. I've made my living as an artist for, you know, a lot of years now. Um, and that's been great, but it's also like been a really self-focused life, you know, yeah. like literally my work is writing about myself, talking about myself, either writing or talking, but always about myself, you know, like right. it, it's like, I'm too much. I'm done with me. <laughs> uh, I've been a volunteer for like 15 years working with the uh, LGBT elderly. Oh, wow. Most of whom did not have the chance to have children like I do and are therefore very alone. They're a really, really vulnerable demographic. And I love it. Like, you know, when you love something so much, you do it for free. Yeah. It's a good litmus test, you know? And I was like, why don't I just, why don't I do this? Why doesn't this become more of the focus of what I do? And I was like, this is what I want to do. So I am in the middle of nursing school, which is really intense. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I end everything this way. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, no. I'm good. I'm good. glad this exists. And not that I didn't like having people in my living room asking me questions about it that I didn't know. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not kidding you, but Sam. This is good people too. came to us that I don't know at all. I would get a call that was literally like my cousin in New Jersey would say, there's a lady in my office. She's a lesbian. She wants kids. I told her about you. She said she'd do anything if you would talk to her. I'd get this call from someone I'd never met. Me and Sean would say, come to our house. Wow. And when people ask me who want kids or thinking about it, and they'll say, you know, we want you to sum it up real quick. And right. I'll say, do you know that feeling when you've just fallen in love with someone when you're like crazy in love? It's like that being a parent. Yeah. But forever. <laughs> like it's almost intense. Like, you know, I, like, you know what? I think you told me that when we went to dinner before the really? month. I think so because that so that was May 2018. So we had we had our eggs frozen from the donor mm-hmm. and we had our surrogate lined up. And I I might have been sitting next to you but I I think people started kind of mentioning their kids and stuff and I was just used to always being the odd man out because I'd struggled for 8 years to have a kid and it always failed and I was like oh here comes the kid thing again but I actually had something to say which is we have yeah. the eggs we have the and I remember you said it's like that new love, but it's forever. And I was like, yeah. wow, you know, and it's true. I feel it. I really do. So that's yeah. an amazing way of explaining it. So I, right. I'm glad I'm glad you feel that. I didn't think you didn't think I was I was crazy because I'm no. like, but I, I you know, and I know that's like an intense thing to say to people who want it, but I, I hope it just makes people keep trying, you know. Yeah. I like, I know I've been through a lot of, up, oh my God, a million, you know, tries and fails and, and a lot of money, you know, mm, I mean, an insane yeah. amount of money. I remember when I first sold a book and they, well, I made some money and people said to me, especially, you know, Queens people say, oh, what's going to be a status symbol thing? You're going to get a car, you're going to get a Rolex, right? And I was like, motherfucker, I walk into a room holding my kid's hand as a lesbian, right? I was like, that's 60 grand walk-in, okay? Oh I was like, that, that yeah. is my status symbol. Right. right, right? I was like, that is it. I was like, and and and, and like, I want people to be more honest about that. I was like, yeah. you know, so you, it, it's worth it. I know. <laughs> so I'm ready to do another little one. I'm ready, Sam. I'm ready to do this again. <laughs> do you have a name picked out? I think so. Is I it think a secret? I, 
I no, it's not oh. to me, but I like um Desi Desmond. Oh, that's an awesome name. I think it's a good one. That's a really good name. Right? Like sort of Desmond Child or like, yeah. you know, don't fuck with Desmond, me, Desi. You could go either Desmond way. Desmond Tutu, yeah, whatever you Desmond want to do. Desmond Tutu, Desi Arnaz. Lots Desi, Desi Arnaz, that was one of my, yeah. That's awesome. Thing. Beautiful. Well, Thanks, I look man. forward to the arrival of Desi. All right. I'm sure you do too. (laughs) Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy you could be a part of this. All right, Sam, take it easy. Awesome. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for hanging out with me and Tara. Her live performance excerpts were recorded in Portland, Oregon as part of The Moth. And to hear more of Tara and performances by other amazing storytellers, visit themoth.org. You can also find Tara's memoir, The Clancy's of Queens, at Amazon and other fine booksellers. And I hope you're sending in your questions for therapist Savannah Sandfield. You can ask her anything as long as you get it in by November 11th. Send them to ivfupodcast at gmail.com. or DM me on Instagram at IVFU Podcast. The IVFU Podcast is produced by me, Sam Shaper, and Emmeline Summerton. Audio mastered by Logan Heftel. Thanks to Chris Benelli for the late night Pro Tools parties, George Strayton for marriage, and Gary Scott for greasing the wheels. IVFU is a production of Inside Voices Media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IVFU Podcast. You can download our theme song, Freakin' Love, at ivfupodcast.com. And we'd love for you to review us on Apple Podcasts and spread the word to anyone who might be helped by these conversations. You can also be a huge help by leaving us a tip of any size, whatever you can afford, on Venmo and paypal.me at ivfupodcast. Thank you. And thanks for listening. I'm happy we shared this time together because it's all about being a family. And I